If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up with me. I want you to see these verses in the book of Revelations. Should be a real easy one to find. You just start on the right. You're there. Revelations chapter 1. You guys doing good this morning? Yeah. Yeah, guys, I'm excited about this. Today we're talking about to live at peace. So while you're opening up, go ahead and turn to the person next to you, look them right in the eye and say, I need some peace. I need some peace. Revelation chapter 1, God is speaking, he speaks in verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha and the Omega, this is Greek alphabet, it's the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the last letter. Jesus is literally saying, I'm your A to Z. I'm everything you need. I'm everything in between. It begins with me. It ends with me. I'm all you need. Just a couple verses later in verse 17, Jesus is speaking again. He says this, do not be afraid. Okay? And here's why you don't need to be afraid. I am the first and the last. So here we see this statement kind of spoken two different ways. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. And today I want to focus on the firstness of Jesus. I know we could spend quite a bit of time talking about the lastness of Jesus, but I want to spend just a moment today talking about the firstness of Jesus. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would come and be in this place with us. God, what a waste of time it would be for a man to stand in front of a crowd of people and talk. But if your Holy Spirit shows up in this place and we see Jesus and know you more in this place, God, you can wreck our lives and change our lives and turn us around all for your good. So Holy Spirit, we pray you come in this place. Be with us. Meet with us now because there's some people in this room that, that we need a touch from you today. So be with us today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off by asking you, do, do you ever feel like you struggle to live at peace? A struggle to live at peace. I mean, I'm not talking about the type of peace where you're sitting up by a quiet lake in the mountains or the type of peace where you, you got along with your kids and you didn't argue with your kids for a full day or you're happy today because your neighbor's dogs didn't wake you up. That's not the type of peace I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about really struggling to find peace. It's funny because we all search for peace and we search for it in different ways. I was just walking in this morning and I, I ran into a mom who was dropping her kids off in the children's ministry. I said, how are you doing this morning? She goes, I'm doing a lot better now. Thank God I dropped them off, you know. Like, I've been there. I, I know exactly how that is because we search for peace. We search for it in a lot of different ways. But I'm not talking about just situational peace because don't you know you can be sitting beside a beautiful lake up in the mountains. It's quiet and it's gorgeous and and all at the same time, you could be at war on the inside. Today, I want to talk to people who struggle with peace on the inside. You know, because I, I think there's a problem with the human condition. And with the human condition, there's, every one of us, we, we struggle with different emotions that bring us down. We struggle with them regularly, the emotions of insecurity and stress and anxiety and uncertainty and worry and, and fear. But, but Jesus speaks to this. He says, no, 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 don't be afraid. Don't fear. And then, and then why, we ask him, because he says, I'm the first and the last. What an interesting statement. We're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about that today. But, but part of the human condition and part of why we struggle with peace is for every one of us in this room 
to some level, we struggle with the emotions of regret over the past or fear and anxiety and uncertainty and worry about the future. Regret over the past, I mean, I think we can all understand that because we have things that we've done in our life that, that you regret it. You can remember that argument you got in with your spouse. You can remember the job you lost. You can remember the mistakes that you've made in front of your kids. You can, you can remember things from the past that you look back there and you're like, oh, gosh. And it, it could have been hours ago. It could have been days ago, years ago. It could have been decades ago. But the problem with it is, is we look back, we remember it, and it brings up the same feelings of guilt and shame and, and, and condemnation today. Like, in this moment now, I, I didn't do it now. I did it a long time ago, but in this moment now, I'm re-experiencing those, those feelings of shame and guilt. And if it's not regret over the past, or sometimes it's in addition to this, a lot of us, we struggle with uncertainty about the future. I mean, what could happen tomorrow? Have you ever had a conversation with someone before you had the conversation with that person? You know, you had the meeting with your boss before you had the meeting with your boss? Like it's Sunday, and you know you've got a meeting with your boss on Thursday, and you're, you're living out the emotions, and you're bringing up your arguments and your side of the debate, and I hope he doesn't bring this up because then I'll have to talk about this. And you know what's interesting about our makeup is that the way God made us, your, your body doesn't know that you're not in the meeting right now. So you're experiencing the same stress hormones. You're experiencing the same uh, high blood pressure and tension. You're experiencing all the same things physically as if you're already in the meeting. And this meeting hasn't even taken place yet. It's Sunday, and your Sunday is getting wrecked over a day that hasn't even happened yet. It's like, how did we get ourselves to this place? Don't you know Jesus talks about this? Jesus talks about the fact that we can, we can get trapped in this, you know, worrying about what's going to happen in the, the future. And the Bible says that day might not even happen. Thursday might not even happen, but here I am stressed out on Sunday. What's happening on my Sunday? Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is basically telling us we need to learn how to live just today. Live in this moment today. Matthew 6, he, he tells us this, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying, just live today. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's going to have its own problems. You've got stuff to deal with today. Be in the now. See, it's so difficult because we can actually find ourselves living in the past and living in the future and never truly experiencing the moment right now. One of the biggest pet peeves I have as a man is I will go into a restaurant and see a table full, and I'm sorry, I'm picking on the ladies for a minute, but a table full of ladies who are sitting down at a table, and every one of them, they're not talking to each other, they're looking down at the phones, and they're texting one another. Like, my gosh, you know? This happens to me all the time, and that's why it's a pet peeve of mine. I got two little girls, and I, I, we went into the restaurant the other day, and I grabbed the menu, and, and Kayla asked for my phone, and I, I didn't even think about it. I just handed it to her. She's my youngest, and, and, and Rachel is over there on her phone, and my wife got texted by a friend and stuff, so I'm looking at the menu. I put my menu down and look up, and I'm sitting here at a table with three girls that are all on their phone at the same time. I'm like, hello, excuse me. Hey, guys. And I stopped, and I had a little conversation with my girls for a moment. I said, Rachel, Kayla, you need to hear Daddy for a minute. We're going to turn the phones off because what's happening is you're missing life. Like, you're, you're so into the game or you're so into the text conversation with your friend that you're missing what's actually happening right now in front of you. 
And as I was talking to them about this, I felt this conviction fall on me where God said, Dan, don't you see that's exactly how you live your life? Wait a minute, what are you talking about, God? I'm not on my phone. Like, it's them, it's their problem. He said, oh, but, but you, you're thinking about what happened in the past. And, and how is it that I could be sitting down with my kids and have an opportunity to talk with my family now, and, and I'm trying to be there, I'm trying to have a conversation with them, but all the while I'm thinking about, oh, I got that meeting tomorrow and I hope that goes well. And, and I'm, I'm concerning myself with, with something that's going to happen in the future, uncertainty about the future, what's going to happen tomorrow, a regret over the past. I mean, how do we get set free from this? What, how do we get to a place where, where we're not thinking about tomorrow, we're not thinking about the past, but we can truly just be set free to live right now in this moment? I believe that the antidote to this problem is in this beautiful statement, this beautiful title that God gives himself, that Jesus gives himself in the book of Revelations when he says, I am the first and the last. Guys, we could focus in today and we could really look at the, the fact that Jesus is the end of everything. He's the last. He, he's the last one. He's the last word. But today, I want to focus on the implications of what it means for our God to say, I am first. See, that means a lot to me because for me to talk about myself for just a moment, those of you that know me, you know I'm incredibly competitive. I mean, the whole point of sports, the whole point of playing games is so that I can beat you. I mean, that's why God created competition, right? I'm that type of competitive person. And I've, as I'm growing up, I'm learning that there are certain things that I just shouldn't do anymore. That's why I don't play golf anymore, <laughs> It's funny because the last couple of days, I, no one's invited me to play golf for years. And in the last month, I've gotten three separate invitations to go play golf. And embarrassingly, I have to answer, you know what, I don't do that anymore because since I can't beat Tiger Woods, I'm probably going to get out there and throw golf clubs and make a fool out of myself in front of you. And I don't play pickup basketball. We got really tall, young guys on our staff, and they play basketball every once in a while. And they're like, hey, you going to come out and play? I'm like, look at me. The statement, white men can't jump, would happen when someone looked at a guy shaped like me, okay? So I get mad because of the, the whole point of sport, the whole point is, of a game is to win. It's about, and they think, well, no, it's about having fun. Well, what, what is fun? Fun is beating you, Right? I was shocked by children's sports. When my girls were younger and we, we were first getting them involved in sports, Rachel wanted to play softball, and we couldn't get her in softball yet, so she was, she was too young for it. So we got her in this, like, a co-ed coach pitch team. And, and we're walking them up there. I've been teaching her everything I knew about baseball. We've been playing catch in the backyard, and I, I take her up to the coach and introduce myself. I said, so how are we looking, coach? And he's like, how are we looking? I said, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good team. You think we're going to take Monument Little League this year, right? We're getting the trophies, right? He goes, oh, no, I think, I think you misunderstand. We, we don't actually keep score. I wanted to punch myself in the face. <laughs> don't keep score. What are you talking about? He goes, no, it's all about fun. I'm like, fun is winning. What are you, 
come on. So I pulled my girl aside and said, Rachel, you got to listen to me here. The coach said that they're not going to keep score. So at the end of the game, everyone's going to get five fives. And everyone's going to say, yeah, you're a winner. But I'm going to tell you what the score is when you get back in the car. So you'll know. Your coach will say, yeah, you did it. I'll say, no, you're, that other team beat you. You can have your Capri Sun and eat your Nature Valley granola bar and be happy. But I'll tell you if you won or not because we are hoopers and we're going to win. Right? I'm just training my kids to beat your kids. That's all. You know, I, I'm sorry. Let's pray and let's go. That's it. That's all I got. To no, I, I think that competitive attitude is something that is not just in me, but it's in a lot of people. And it comes from the fact that we were made in God's image and God in himself is the champion of all. And that he never loses. In fact, he never comes even close to second place. There's no such thing as a thought of God being in second place. He is first and foremost his champion above all. So since we are created in his image, since we're his followers, of course we want to come out on top. We want to win. So there's this struggle here of how, how do I live a life where I want to be first, where I want to move forward, I want to have success, I want to win, and yet the Bible tells us something that's so so confusing here because the Bible says in Matthew 20, verse 16, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. What? That doesn't make sense at all. So you're saying to be a Jesus follower, for me to be successful in life, that I'm going to somehow have to, to win by putting myself last. I'm going to have to win by not, not always coming out on top, not always being the champion there. It's really confusing because we follow Jesus and we look at Jesus and Jesus is first and foremost in everything. He, the Bible says in Colossians that he is preeminent, that he is before all things. The Bible says, Colossians 1.18, and he, this is talking about Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. This is saying God is first. Jesus is first in everything. I can prove it to you. Look all the way back. If we go all the way to the beginning, Genesis 1-1a, the first part of the first recorded history in our faith, we see the Bible says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Think about that for a moment. I mean, not only was God there in the beginning, it means God was there before the beginning. God was there to begin the beginning. That, wait a minute, how, do we, how are we even supposed to comprehend the fact that we serve a God who, who before there was us, before there was our history, before we knew of anything, he was already there and he was the one who began the beginning. In fact, there was no one even around to be in second place. That is the God we serve and we need to understand that we can't put him second place in any place of our life because it can't work. We try in our own heads to think, well, no, I'm going to live my life this way. I'm going to do things my way. And we think somehow we're stepping ahead in the first place, but we're just confused. Because you say, no, I'm first. I'm, I'm the beginning. I'm, I'm first in all things. I'm first in your theology. I'm first in your psychology. I'm first in your marriage. I'm first in your decisions, your day-to-day -day life. I'm first in your finances. I'm first in the choices you make every day. Think about that for a moment. What would it look like if we, as the followers of Christ, held on to this idea? 
if it's not about me being first, it's about Jesus being first. It's not about me getting my way and pushing forward to all the things I want, but it's about him being first in my life. Now, don't misunderstand me because the Bible makes it very clear that our God, who is the champion, who is first place, he desires for you to have a full and fulfilling life. John 10.10 10 says, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That, that actually means that God's desire for you is not that you're just surviving and getting by. He wants you to have excess of life, abundant life, more life. He wants you to be fulfilled in that life. He wants your life to be good. You say, but how is it we... That's a challenge, though, because how is it we go through all the difficulties we go through, and yet we're supposed to have a fulfilling and full and excessive life? How, how does that even work? I heard a pastor um, recently talking about some of the different tragedies that were taking place all around the globe. He was talking about the earthquake in Nepal, and he was talking about the shooting in, in South Carolina. He was talking about all these different things, and, and he said, uh, there's no place, this is a direct quote from him, he says, there's no place like earth on every uh, on earth, every single moment, something beautiful and something horrible is happening at the exact same time. See, isn't it amazing how challenging life will be, and yet God, with all the challenges and complexities and the, the horrible times and the tragedies and the beautiful times and the successes, God wants you to have the full human experience, to be fully present, to be fully alive, and to fully experience life. But we see that part of our human condition stands in the way of that because one of the things that stops us the most from living a fulfilling life is this regret over the past or fear and uncertainty about what might happen tomorrow. Well, I just, I can't get over what I did. I mean, you, you don't know what I did in the past and I, I just don't know how to get free of that. I mean, how, how is it? I mean, what do we anchor ourselves to to find peace in that type of a struggle? Because it's not God's plan for you to go through life just looking backwards and, and regretting the things from your past or, or looking forwards and, and, and worrying about, well, is this conversation going to go well? And Am I, am I going to get that job? And is my income going to sustain through the year? And, and it's like we're focused on the past or we're focused on the future and completely missing the right now. That's not God's plan at all. So how do we get free from that? You know, I think the, the answer to this is, is really simple. It, it's found in this statement that Jesus made about himself and, and his firstness. And I think there's two implications. And again, it's not very complex that, that we can pull from this today. So I want to give you a two-point message. And I know that I'm going to give you these two points. And if you were just sitting here writing down the notes, you go, well, that, that was really simple. You know, it's too simplistic, but I truly believe that if we hold on to the truths and lean into the truths of what Jesus is declaring about himself in this statement, it can change your life. It can change how you leave here today and, and how your focus is, and, and it can change how when you're sitting up at a lake and having a war going on on the inside, how you can start to let that go. Because I know there's a lot of us in here that we try, we try really hard. If I could just try hard enough to be at peace, then somehow I'm going to be at peace. Like on Seinfeld when George Costanza would always scream, serenity now! You know, like if I just try hard enough I can get there. But I think this is more about an understanding of the God we love. The God who loves us. And if we lean into him. 
So today, looking at the fact that Jesus is more, here's two points. If Jesus is more, then that means, number one, Jesus is always more. If Jesus is first, sorry, Jesus is always more. It's really simple, isn't it? He's more. I mean, think about it. If, if Tim and I were to get in a foot race, and he were to beat me in that foot race, and of course this is just completely fictional, that would never happen. But if he were to beat me in a foot race, it would mean, and I'm not trying to question your intellect here, it's just very simple, he's more. He, he has more speed, he has more agility, more athletic ability. It, it would mean that he's more. And we have to understand about Jesus who says, I am first, it means that he is more. He's more than the mountain you're facing. He's more than the troubles you've gone through in the past. He's more than your regret about the past. It's amazing how that one thought can bring so much alleviation and clarity in times when you feel completely overwhelmed by regret from the past. I just don't know how to get away from it, God. You, I, I, I've done so many wrong things in the past, and I, it seems like I lay in bed, and that's all I can think about, and I can't sleep because I, I know I need to go back and try to fix some things. And just always thinking about what's taking place in the past, and yet we see that, that Jesus reveals himself as being someone who is so much more than your past. See, I'm not more. I, I'm no match to fear. I'm no match to anxiety, meaning I can't overcome it on my own. I can't force through it. I, I'm no match to uncertainty, to anxiety, to stress. I, I'm no match to these things. Do you realize that the Bible never says that you can do all things? It doesn't say that. People, people say that. But people cut the verse in half there because there's a very important second half of that verse where the Bible says, you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength. Not you could do, you're not enough on your own. You're not going to be able to force through it on your own. Where, in this equation, where does the strength come from? Where does the rest come from? Where does the peace come from? It's not me. It comes from Jesus. It comes from recognizing, I, I can make it through this, not because of myself, but because of how good Jesus is and how much he loves me. See, you, you look at your past and you say, but you still don't know what I did in the past. You don't know about the affair. You don't know about the scandal. You don't know about that thing from my past. See, God has that covered. He says in Romans chapter 5, this is Paul speaking about the love of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So the response to that. When we say, well, there's that thing in the past that so I just can't get away from. He goes, well, yeah, as big as the sin is in the past, as big, when you look backwards and you see a tragedy from the past and regret in the past, Jesus is saying, there is so much more grace that I cover you with. Like, as big as you think that is, I'm more. I'm big enough to forgive you from any junk from your past. I'm big enough to give you grace to cover it up, to move you forward. you got to stop looking backwards because I'm more than everything that's in your past. Think about it for a moment. If we could just get this in us, if this could be something that we leave here with the revelation knowledge of going, you know, I don't have to live my life in, in regret and in condemnation, but I can live my life recognizing Jesus loves me so much. His grace extends over everything I've ever done. Then when you're sitting by the lake, you start to recognize how, 
how good our God is, all of a sudden clarity starts to come in. And we recognize how much more he is than everything in our past, and all of a sudden we get sanity and clarity and peace. Get this peace. Because then it's not just about that thing back there. But it's about the fact that my God loves me so much, he covers that thing back there. So Jesus is always more. A quick side note about the moreness of Jesus is I, I truly believe that as soon as you begin to follow, follow Jesus, Jesus will start you on a path where he will take you to places where you will be completely in over your head. I believe that. I believe that if you truly trust him with his life, he's going to give you opportunities where at some point in your life you're going to go, God, I'm not qualified for this. I don't think I have the skill set. I don't have the ability. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the education. I don't have what it takes. And God's like, yeah, I know it. Isn't it great? It's awesome. We're going to do it. And the reason why is because it's not about us. It's about him. And, and then when we realize, you know, I, I don't have the intelligence, I don't have the strength, I don't have the knowledge, I, I don't have what it takes here, so all I can do is just lean into Jesus. And when you start leaning into him, he can say, okay, I'm more than this situation, I'm more than the problem you have at work, I'm more than this problem in your marriage or in your finances, and we're going to just make it through this. So we've got to recognize, first of all, that if Jesus is first, that means he's more. And then the second and final point. Very simple message today is Jesus is always before. If he's first, he's more, but that also means that he's before. Again, if I was in the foot race with Tim and Tim were to beat me, again, completely fictional. So if he were to beat me, he's more. He's got more speed, more, more athletic ability, but it would also mean he's before. He went there first. He got there first. Like, well, Dan, this is real intelligent. This is real difficult stuff. I'm not trying to question your intelligence, but we need to recognize if Jesus says he's first, that means he's before. He goes before you in everything. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a Christian means to follow Jesus, to do life his way. I think one of the simplest yet most challenging yet surest invitations that we see in all the Bible is when Jesus goes to each of the 12 disciples individually, and he looks at them, and he says two words. He says, follow me. That's what it means to be a Christian, is just to follow him. Think of what that means leadership-wise. There's nothing more powerful than that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go, and you just follow me. I'm going to go conquer this because I'm the champion, and you just follow me. Get in right behind me, and you're going to come and experience the win as well. I'm going to go into this difficult time. You come on, and, and all you got to do is follow me. Look and see. What, I'm, what do you want me to do today, God? Well, just follow me. Follow me. But, man, I, I get this messed up all the time. I get this so messed up. It's funny because when Kayla, my youngest, was, was really young, Amelie and I had a joke that we'd say she, she's always trying to follow from the front. And, and it was kind of an inside joke because what we meant by that is everywhere we went, she'd get excited, so she'd just go run off in front. And she doesn't even know where we're going. We go into the store, and she start running down aisle two. We don't even know what's down aisle two. She doesn't know what's down aisle two. If she were to find something, she doesn't have money or know what to do with the money, even if she found it, Right? So we'd have to tell Kayla, follow me, get in behind me. I remember we even took him on a vacation down to Disney World one time. 
We get in the gates. There's 50,000 people there. And she takes off running. <laughs> ah! you know? We chase her down. What are you doing? She's like, I'm going. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you follow me. And what she'll do so many times then as we were trying to teach her to follow us is she'd run up ahead and then she'd look back and be like, am I going the right way? Am I going the right way? Because like, she didn't know. You know? And, and I would tell her, Kayla, it's as simple as this. There's 50,000 people. I don't want you to get lost. Get right behind me and follow me. It's just simple. Just follow me. Follow me. And see, I was just trying to teach my daughter how to not get lost. And then I realized that I lived my life going, okay, today's a great day. I'm going to go do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that. And then I get to the end of the day and go, am I going the right way? (laughs) And there's so much stress and there's so much anxiety and so much uncertainty when I put myself in first place. Because I'm out here in front going, I don't know if I'm going the right way. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know if this is going to work out financially. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, and Jesus is saying, life is so much more simple than that. You get up every day and you follow me. What does that look like practically? It means I get up in the morning and say, God, it's not about tomorrow. It's not about the past, but But today, where are you going? I want to follow you. You want me to go love on people today? You want me to go help my coworkers today? What is it you want me to do? And see, when I I put myself in second place, all of a sudden things start happening. There's so much more clarity, so much more sanity. And get this, there's so much more peace. I can tell you... as a competitive person who always wants to win, I, I can admit to you today, I, I'm so thrilled. I've never been more thrilled in my life to be in second place. Because I don't have the strength on my own to be out there in front. I've got to get behind my Jesus. This is what I want to do to end the service today. Is I just want to invite you to stand to your feet, everyone across this room. And then for just a moment with no one looking around, if you just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to just ask you, how many of you in here today would say, you know what? I struggle with peace. I've got regrets from the past. I've got uncertainty and fear about the future. I struggle with peace. Man, that's, that's a lot of us. It's a lot of us. We sang a song today called My Anchor. And the song says, you're my anchor forever. You're my shelter within the storm. You're my deliverer, you never falter. You're the rock I stand on. Guys, we, we live in a world where there is, there's uncertainty around us. There's winds, there's waves that blow us around. We go through difficult times. I mean, this last week, I prayed with so many families going through scary stuff. You know, going through sicknesses, through, through divorces, through so many difficult things. Guys, how will you make it through life? How will you make it through the things where, where everyone else would succumb to these things? How are we supposed to get through life and not just freak out and not just give in? We have to lean in to our rock. We have to lean into our Savior. We have to lean into Jesus. So this is what I want to do to kind of end this service together is every one of you, I mean, you just raise your hands and say, you know what, I'm struggling with peace. The answer to our peace so that you're not at war on the inside is that we recognize that Jesus is our anchor. 
that he's our more, that he's, he, he's before us. He's gone into our future and he's preparing a way for us. And, and all we're supposed to do is follow him. So I think what a lot of us need to do today is in an act of worship right now, get out of the driver's seat and put ourselves right behind our Jesus. 